Welcome back to another hour of Sky Shower. I am Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right. Well, hopefully everyone had a great week uh, or busy week or an interesting week uh, from our last episode to now. I think there's a little bit elongated time there that went on since we had an early release for the Black Phone episode. Uh, with this one here, we... Uh, we are going to introduce you to a, uh, a new Scotcher for us. It's the Ardmore. It's the legacy version of it. Um, and anything you want to say real quick on that? Or? Ardmore. Ardmore. Okay. <laughs> what you want? We want Ardmore. <laughs> That's what she said. Right. <laughs> and, and then we went to uh, Black House uh, for our restaurant. Uh, there are Parker, and then we have our shout out to get it together as along with our smarter challenge being the uh, I guess, um, I know it's on Ridley Scott. Is it like the best, best of, of Ridley Scott? Okay, our best favorites, of. okay. Scotch review. Ardmore. You know, it's interesting because we had the Ardcore. We've had some great scotches. And this one, very much so because of the name, because of Ardbeg, um, seems like it would be an Isla single malt scotch, but it is not. It is a Highland single malt scotch whiskey, um, lightly peated. So we're going to see how that compares to some of our others. Could be interesting. A uh, couple things about the Ardmore Distillery. It is 600 feet. That's where it rests above sea level um, at the highest point of the Northern Railway or rail line. Obviously, that's going to help them uh, get materials up to making scotch and get scotch down to make some sales. Um, the water is drawn from the naturally rising springs that sit 1,500 feet atop the Nockendy Hills. So you said that was naturally rising. Yeah, so no, no Viagra there, guys. No, like Ardmore, no Viagra. Yeah, <laughs> Nockendy Hills. We got this, the Nockendy Hills. <laughs> no blue pills here. That's everyone. right. Just Ardmore and Ardmore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it was located in the village of Kenneth Mont Abendishir. Say that twice. Kenneth Mont <laughs> Abendishir. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> you say it fast enough, they can't hear, they don't know. Kenneth Mont Abendishir. What language is that, sir? Ah. <laughs> Uh, the distillery was built in 1898, um, started out with two stills. Uh, later in the 70s, they added two more, and then later again added four more. So they currently use, uh, for production, eight stills in the distillery. Um, and the interesting thing to me about this one, the legacy, is that back in 2014, they had the Ardmore traditional cask. So the Ardmore traditional cask was a 46% ABV. This one's sitting at 40 and it was not chill filtered. So um, using some of the older methods and then they came out with this legacy series or legacy version to replace it. A lot of the connoisseurs and the, the real fans of the original traditional cask um, were not pleased with this because they do believe and many do that with a chill filter and also by lowering the ABV, they actually reduce some of the that flavor you normally get um, from the malt. So you lose some of the character um, and some of that robust flavor. So not 
one year later in 2015, they came back with a, a traditional 46% ABV, non-chill filtered uh, Ardmore called the, the traditional. So um, this is going to be interesting, learning a little bit more about these items. The golden slash copper gold hawk is one of the things that caught my eye when I peeked this out. The other one was, man, this is not hard on the wallet. It's like 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll find out if it's hard on the taste, <laughs> on, the, on the palate. It might be uh, hard on something else. Ardmore. Ardmore. <laughs> Ardmore. I, I feel like a pirate. Ardmore. Yeah. Uh, the bottle, pretty standard bottle. The color through the bottle, pretty light gold. Not a bad looking, um, not like really eye-catching though um, not something so profound that normally i would seek out this color uh, much like yourself I, I like it a little bit deeper a little more brassy and robust now maybe we need like dramatic music right there black phone <laughs> music <laughs> you're gonna die kid <laughs> Be patient. Just wait for it. Ardmore. <laughs> Ardmore. Legacy. <laughs> Ardmore. Traditional. All right. It's not offending the nose. Good start. All right. Well, off to our uh, warp speed and cheers. Cheers. Uh, if yeah. Ardmore Legacy was a lady, what would she be? Um, a baker? I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking maybe like maybe like a, an older woman that hangs out at, at the golf at the golf club hitting like uh, golf balls. What's she drinking? Well, it's got to be scotch, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is scotch hour. We hope. <laughs> I'm seeing her with a beer in one hand and a golf club in the other. Maybe wine. <laughs> Maybe a nice Chablis. I mean, it's the dead heat of summer. Pinot Grigio goes well, too. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, all right. Now to my taste, uh, tasting notes. <laughs> Uh, for this art war, like I see you, I get uh, the color <laughs> is uh, this nice, like, light straw golden color, um, and which makes it kind of easier so you, to where you can actually some like see some imperfections or whatever or the purity of, of the scotch. Uh, you know, if you're seeing like some stuff floating around and stuff like that in there. Um, but I am actually pleasantly surprised by this particular uh, scotch, especially when you told me the price point's like roughly around forty dollars a bottle. Um, some of the some of the notes I'm getting on the bouquet when I when I am smelling it is that I'm getting some cinnamon with honey and some vanilla, 
and uh, which is which is really inviting if you just think of like vanilla and honey and cinnamon, that can pretty much go pretty well together, and none of it is repugnant at all. Like not there's it all kind of blends really nice together. Now as far as the palate goes, I immediately got like pear, so I got pear right away. Um, with some honey and citrus as uh, some ci- citrus zest. Um, and when I'm talking about citrus zest, for those of you who don't really kind kind of know, is like when you take like a, an orange or a lemon, and you kind of like do like really that that fine grating of it, that that slight zest that you would get. Um, that's kind of what I'm getting right there for that citrus. And then on my finish, this is where I'm getting like slight oak with definitely that light peat. And um, and a little bit of honey barley, but the really nice thing about this finish here is after all that kind of like dissipates, you just get this nice hint of lingering cinnamon, mm-hmm. and it almost kind of made me uh, think of a little bit about childhood and chewing on big red cinnamon gum. Oh, there you go. And, I mean, the big red cinnamon gum actually probably have a little bit more flavor, but after you chew on it for a little while, it kind of loses like that, that huge cinnamon, like bold flavor. And it kind of mellows out. And that's the, that's that mild out cinnamon that I kind of get in that lingering sense. Man, I get a lot of the same hints as you. This is a, actually a great surprise surprise it's a, it's a it is a pleasant surprise um definitely light gold on the color uh i don't expect so much flavor when i see such a light and gold uh, scotch such as this um for me on the nose it's again a surprise um it's that creamy smell of uh, vanilla cream with some cinnamon and a little bit of toffee. Um, I don't taste the toffee so much, but I smell it on the nose. It's there. Um, and then I think that toffee, once you get to the palate, blends in with that creamy vanilla and it's exciting um another thing that reminds you you know me of childhood is all these great candies i used to eat um it reminds me of toffee candy but um it's rich and it's creamy and then to your point the cinnamon kicks in um and the cinnamon is not offensive at all but it is robust at the same time it's letting you know it's there um you can't deny it but it's not so unpleasant it's not like the beginning of that uh big red cinnamon bubblegum where it's burning your mouth at all the 40 percent abv not offensive at all um and then also there's this hint of honey um for me when it goes to that finish that's when i'm really getting this full-bodied um creamy vanilla with just a little bit of honey um and the oak comes out in, in its dry, uh, the dry body. It's not a super sweet. Um, unlike at the beginning of the palate, it's really silky. Towards the end, it's definitely dry. And then much like yourself, I absolutely love this lingering, mild cinnamon finish. That mild cinnamon finish does add a really nice touch to it. And um, this is definitely one... Um, which I wouldn't be afraid to take it around and sharing it, you know, like, you know, go to like a barbecue at a friend's house or, you know, poker night or something like that. This is one, I think the price point is well enough to where you would feel okay and comfortable sharing it with someone, especially 
if they don't enjoy scotch and they will do shooters with it or something goofy like that, you wouldn't be totally offended by it. Uh, which, <laughs> I mean, I, I might still be a little bit offended if someone did that, but, I mean, it's, you know, it's one that I, I wouldn't, like, be as upset about. Um, and I think it's, you know, at the same time, it, it's very light drinking and uh, easier to probably drink on a warmer day. For sure. So how about you? Would you take it and share it? Man, I would definitely take this and share it. I'd take this to any number of events. Um, poker night, again, man. You know, if I'm playing poker, I'm probably wearing a jacket. Maybe a tie. Usually not. Usually just a jacket and a V-neck. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, it's still a handsome enough bottle that I'm not embarrassed to take it there. And uh, marketing, for those of you who don't believe this, uh, marketing is very impactful. It's actually how... I believe the number is still a staggering 70% of people decide on how to buy their wine. Now, it's not nearly that high as when you're starting to get to scotch and pricier scotches. There's a lot more that goes into it. But for new drinkers, new um, low price point drinkers in particular, a, a good looking bottle is going to have a huge impact. Um, and this is, not a, this is not something that is a detractor. This is definitely something that, again, I was drawn to it because of this copper gold hawk on the label um and the canister white and black semi-formal you know to me though you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say it like this if this is if this scotch is a guy this guy's wearing like a nice either a uh stefano Ritchie, a brioni maybe a Catan shirt and some white jeans and his loafers out on a patio with everyone that is probably drinking wine he's sipping his scotch uh maybe smoking a cigar and we're talking about on this patio that where he's probably uh, overlooking uh, uh you know from his italian villa the ocean or a golf course um it, it, it is a classy scotch and it's got this great great flavor that makes me want to appreciate summer to want uh, not that i don't always want to wear uh white jeans by the way i wear them quite frequently and i look good damn it yacht club status uh, but that's this that's this scotch for me it, it's not a dalmore 25 where you're spending 1500 plus dollars a bottle now that's definitely yacht club status um but you're not a fit you're not embarrassed to take this along with you um on the flip side if this is if this is a, a lady um, she's wearing a white summer dress and again, like having fun. Uh, I think it's a fun scotch. Um, definitely something I wouldn't be afraid to take to a barbecue. You mentioned that that's perfect. A barbecue, a party, an event, um, just have some fun and enjoy some light drinking. I agree. Or heavy drinking. <laughs> Ardmore. <laughs> Legacy. Ardmore. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for our shout-outs. I've got one, um, I guess one important shout-out to me for this past week, and that is with uh, Charles Leclerc winning the Austrian Grand Prix right after, and shortly after, his uh, teammate Carlos Sainz had an engine failure and Charles Leclerc himself had to nurse his car to the finish line with Verstappen on his tail, not letting up. Good drive, oh, Verstappen. But uh, way to go. Um, my shout-out goes to Charles Leclerc taking that victory home for Ferrari. Our first one is going to be more of a personal one. I'm going to give a shout-out to my mom and my stepdad. 
Uh, they purchased a home there in Florida. They seem very happy with what they uh, what they purchased, and uh, hopefully they will live uh, uh, quite a few more years in, re- in their retirement years and um, enjoy their new property that they purchased. Um, so shout out to them. And then uh, my other shout out goes to United. Um, so um, on the flight back, I, I paid the... Uh, <laughs> The extra little upcharge for uh, not only uh, to sit in first class, but also to go to the United Club. And the United Club was really actually done really well. They had like a nice like plush seats to sit in, a nice little bar area. It was open. It was an open bar, so you could drink as much as you want in there. They also had like a nice little like uh, food, uh, finger foods in there. You know, the breakfast, like I kind of got there like right around 10 o'clock-ish, so... I got the tail end of the uh, breakfast finger foods, which was like yogurt and some fresh fruits. Um, they had like the Jimmy Dean sandwiches in there, like little blueberry muffins and and uh, some bagels and stuff. Uh, nothing like too wild to write home for, write home about, but it was I mean decent. And then for the like the lunch time, they had like salad stuff and like these like uh, they called it sliders, but like little like these little mini like uh, smoked turkey sandwiches and smoked. Uh, and uh, Caprice sandwiches. But what really kicked in for me was uh, I was able to drink some Bloody Marys and uh, had like three of them before I even got onto the plane. And being that I was in uh, first class, I was able to board first, and then um, I enjoyed myself uh, with a glass of champagne and uh, four other glasses of uh, Chardonnay along, along with my trip there. Only thing missing was your membership to the Mile High Club. Exactly, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to be on the Mile High Club with any one of those uh, air attendants because uh, they were all guys, and uh, <laughs> so that's not my style. Potato, potato, man. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, get it together. Ooh, I'm gonna have to say uh, drivers in Florida, man. They just need to get it together. Some I, I came across some horrible drivers when I was in Florida. So like, there's, like, I think I was telling you a story about this guy who was like, <laughs> pretty sure he's like maybe Puerto Rican or Chilean or whatever. I'm sure, you, like if you like, you probably seen these people. They have like a little flag hanging down from their rearview mirror, and it ha- it's definitely like there's like a red and a blue and I think a white color on there. I'm not really sure if it's a Chilean flag or Puerto Rican flag or whatever. But obviously this person, it, it had just finished downpouring rain, so the streets are wet, and this person probably did not have any, like, tread on their tires. It took the corner, like, way too fast and did, like, a 360, went up onto the onto the median, popped their tire and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, you're an idiot, dude. Get, get, get it together. Come on, man. You're just pushing the limits. He had just seen Charles Claire win. <laughs> He's like, I can do that. No, no, you can't. <laughs> no. Charles Leclerc spun oh, around. And I, didn't, on I, I didn't tell you this either. In Missouri, in Missouri, like uh, pretty close to St. Louis, it might have actually been in St. Louis. There's this guy driving the freaking truck, and he like his he, in order for him to keep his like driver's side door closed, he had to have his arm outside the the door and hold the door closed. Some real redneck shit there. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I don't understand why you have to hold the door closed 
if physics are working and the wind's pushing it closed <laughs> as long as you're driving, there's there's something else going on there. Like something's trying to escape down low. <laughs> That's another version of Black Phone. Uh, Mr. Hill, please write a book about that and turn it into a movie. <laughs> All right, how about you? Oh, man, my uh, Get It Together uh, goes to the many news companies that uh, aren't just staying a course. Um, they aren't choosing what's really uh, something that should educate American citizens on. So one month it's the war on Ukraine. Have you heard anything about that in like a month? Not really. We gave them a billion dollars and a bunch of weapons, a bunch of our own weapons. And uh, since then we haven't heard anything. It's like, all right, good luck. I still question how in the world we think we're going to win and save Ukraine against Russia when we ran like an animal with a tail between our legs from Afghanistan. I, I, what is the thought process here? It's not going to happen. Um, and uh, just really stay the course. You know, like all of a sudden nobody's talking about baby formula. That shortage is still real. It's still out there. Well, it was hot for a month and now we need to move on to something else. So, um, and then, you know, I guess I, I would throw one other one out there. And I, I think this is where they're actually trying to get it together. The Dems, uh, it looks like about 70% of them are worried about Biden trying to run for president again because, oh, my goodness, he's ruining it um, uh, hard. He's uh, doing some damage to that political party beyond his own realm. It's unbelievable. I think they did their own damage by voting for shitty policies. <sighs> I mean, I agree. I don't disagree, but I think it's to the next level where they were like, wow, we didn't see that coming. Like, really? I remember studying economics at Colorado School Mines in 1993, and the first thing you and I actually had a conversation about, Noah was going to see you boulder right down the road, was, all right, so do people understand that if everyone's making a ton of money, then all of a sudden uh, the rich aren't elite and everything skyrockets in price? So what did we do by giving Americans a ton of money they didn't have to spend and they saved or they spent fruitlessly and then giving them pay increases on top of that? Now there's inflation hmm. uh, coupled with gas prices doubling. So the destination charge on everything uh, just from a fuel standpoint has doubled. Then there's the materials involved, which of all, on many cases, doubled in cost. So now that's doubled. Now we're paying the truck drivers on average 30% more. Most of these guys are making. That's awesome. Um, so that means that destination charge also went up that 30%. Uh, yeah, prices are, are going to hurt. But yeah, just really, uh, really what I would like for the news to do is actually be educational once again like not keep the entertainment out of it i don't want to watch the news for a soap opera that is not news to me show me some facts so we sh you know i'm running on the treadmill i want to see something that is actually making me think not something where i'm like yeah that that was news uh just like the bio labs when russia first invaded ukraine uh everyone tried to hide it now it's just common knowledge but it's old news Economics. Oh, yeah. We actually, yeah, we started talking about that. Like when we were studying it back in 1993, we were, in, uh, we were three years old. I was going <laughs> to school, mine. He's going to see you, Walter. Anyways, with <laughs> economics, right? I don't, like, people don't seem to understand anytime that you raise the minimum wage or you have a minimum wage or you talk about a living wage. Living wage is pretty important. Um, 
the very people that you are trying to help are ultimately going to be the very people that you end up hurting and pushing out of the workforce. Unless it's done right. There might be other ways to make it right, but the way this last round was done was terrible. Oh, it's there never, might be inflation. What? 9.1%? Yeah, I'd call that inflation. Yeah, if you go if you go look into uh, Mises.org, which is all about uh, Austrian economics, you'll find multiple, multiple... Um, articles uh, written about how minimum wage and living wages actually are very detrimental to any economy and not once has it ever really helped and you just gotta look at the numbers and they write it in a very easy way for people who are not uh, economists to understand it so my get together is go educate yourself and learn about economics just the basics start there. Supply and demand honestly actually does cover the model of supply and demand actually explains what happens when you've got one golf course, a hundred memberships, a million people, and all of a sudden everyone can afford the membership. <laughs> right. And, well, and then, then you start, well, when you have that, then you start, you, you start losing uh, utilizations, right? The utils. Right. The, the, the best way I ever heard about utils, when you have like one alcoholic drink, you get a high return, right? So that's a high util. You get, the, you get another Hard drink. more. <laughs> you get a second drink, right? You, you still get a high, a high util, right? A high, a high rate of return. But the more you drink, the less value you get out of it. So the utils start to decrease. And then if you drink too much and you go puke, now all of a sudden you have negative utils. Uh, that's one way to look at it. The way when I studied it, my teacher explained it uh, was satiation points. So that first cold beer tastes so good. 32 ounces never went down so easy. That second cold beer, not as good. Not as good. It's just like that giant bucket <laughs> of popcorn in movie theaters. They do that on purpose because if they made it half the size, you'd go back and refill and you'd still be getting as much popcorn, but now you're taking up extra time materials because they'll give you a new bucket. Uh, but by giving you that one giant bucket, you never come back. <laughs> the only way you come back is if you went to the theater, you divvied it up amongst your 20 friends, and you're like, I ate my whole bucket of popcorn. <laughs> satiation points <laughs> you know i wish they would actually have like small like popcorn bags now for like single people who are not going to go back multiple times but then what happens is you're not satiated so it's literally the opposite end of the study it's just like you wanted that 32 ounce cold beer but you only get an ounce that one ounce is so amazing that you actually end up resenting the experience because you didn't get enough until you get satiated and then if anything it's like oh man that was more than i can eat but damn it was good <laughs> even though at the point like you eat so much you feel disgusting yeah, it's, and that's not what I want. I just like, I mean, I'm now forced to buy the freaking stupid like children's pack at a movie theater so that way I can get a small popcorn. And I don't, I'd rather have them just like bring back the cameos for people and not have it just for students because that's just a little bit larger. And that's all I need. I don't need like a big, huge bucket. It's just me. I'm just not me and a, and a wife or a girlfriend or like five kids or any stupid shit like that. It's just me. I just want. A small bag of popcorn. I'm on the opposite side. I like to oversatiate. I don't like Samuel Jackson's character and the other guys where I'm like, all oh, the sex we have to have that we don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about popcorn oh, here. I'm talking about life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ardmore. Time to Ardmore. <laughs> Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God, something's flying around in here. I think it's Flash. Flash. <laughs> Saber of the universe. Black House, and this is in Parker, Colorado, right off of Main Street, across the street from Tailgate, and many other fine establishments. How about your dinner? I've been to Black House a few, t- a couple times before. I went there on a Sunday one time, got their brunch. And I thought their food was really good. And then I went to the wine tasting, which I brought up in the, my get uh, my shout outs a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and um, I thought they, they made some phenomenal food there. So I was excited to try try the regular menu. Um, once again, I think the the interior of the place I really like it. The, even the uh, the pat the outside patio wasn't too bad. Although like kind of like where we sat. It could use a little bit more shade in that area or that spot, but I mean, it's kind of near the door, so some like it hot, some <laughs> like it hot, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but um, you know, I liked it. I think it's a and it has like nice decor. I, I, the atmosphere there was is was nice. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought our wait our waitress was uh, well. First of all, she was cute. I'm not gonna lie about that, but she, she I think she did a good job. And there's one part when uh, she was assisting you that I really wanted to say something. So I'm just going to share it right here. Ardmore. <laughs> Legacy. <laughs> uh, but uh, you had asked her, like, which of these two sandwiches would you prefer? Which is the better recommendation? Yeah. Which one do people generally like? And then, you know, because of, like, how we joke around, like, more, more so you than me. When you say, like, the, like, that's what she said type of stuff. I didn't there. think this at all. But she's like. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a hard one. I'm like, oh, my God. She just sets it up right there. That's a hard one. And I'm like, I still want to say, like, that's what she said or something. Or, you know, something like the. But I didn't. I, I, I restrained myself. But I really wanted to say that. Uh, any case, I did get the uh, the, the Parker, uh, which you have the choice of either chicken or a hamburger. And it came with bacon and ranch. And it was actually a pretty well done burger. I went with the burger, and I had some like fries. Their fries were decent. Um, the one thing that kind of caught me by surprise there was the beer. The beer was good. I mean, like I had like I had Samuel Adams Summer Ale, tasted good, but I wasn't expecting my pints of beer to be nine dollars each. <laughs> I was Thank expecting, God money's no object on Scotch Hour. <laughs> I was expecting somewhere right around the $5 range, not like $10 range. So um, when I got my bill, that was a little bit, I was a little bit uh, surprised, mostly because I wasn't expecting the beer to be $10 uh, a glass. I um, slapped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, overall, like, I think I think the inside, like the uh, the atmosphere and the, the way that the decor is on the inside, I'll give it like a, an eight on that. Their food, I'll give it an eight, and I'll give the even the wait staff an eight. I think you take a first date there. Um, I think you can meet people there. Although, if you want to have a few drinks, um, you just might want to be kind of prepared for like ten dollar draft beers, um, and that and that, that's only the sixteen ounce ones. But overall, I'll give it like an eight. 
Oh, man. So I have not been to Black House before in Parker, Colorado. Uh, for me, it was a fun experience. Now, I don't mind the heat. Um, and I also wasn't sitting in the sun when we first sat down. So I didn't have the full heat uh, outside on the patio. Uh, I think it was right around 90 degrees outside. Uh, and mind you, I just spent a week in Florida. So I didn't really <laughs> want to sit in heat and sweat too much. For me, it was good. I was in the shade. Um, 90 degrees didn't bother me. They did bring out that $9.16 ounce IPA. The IPA was great. Uh, the beer was cool. Cold. It was satiating. <laughs> um, it was uh, also, as mentioned, the price of a six pack of beer. <laughs> so, with that, uh, I went with the steak sandwich uh, because it was a hard choice, but I had to make one. So, I went with the steak That's sandwich, what she said. medium rare. There you go. The steak sandwich, medium rare. Now, they have caramel onion, some blue cheese on here. Uh, this sandwich was delicious. $18. I'm cool with that. Like, that was fine. What I was surprised about afterwards was the $18 for two small beers. Uh, but $18 for the sandwich. Um, the sandwich was delicious. Would I go back for that sandwich? Absolutely. Um, it was great. The fries to me, uh, I'm not normally one who wants that great big thick cut potato fry, uh, but these were actually well cooked, uh, properly crispy, and in my case, perfectly salted all they needed was just that teeny bit of ketchup and uh delicious so um for me would i take a first date there yeah um it's not trendy or i would say happening if you want that you're going across the street um, so it wasn't like a sexy restaurant um the atmosphere ultimately um gonna give it a seven uh nothing wrong with it just nothing outstanding about it now they do have an immerse selection of alcohol inside at the bar great wall and that was nice to see uh, but really wasn't just a happening place so you know someone young like us uh, probably would not necessarily go there for a first date however i mean it's not bad for a first date it's just not sexy um go there with friends absolutely for lunch or dinner absolutely uh, repeat business yes um, value I think is the one thing where it was just a, uh, honestly it was just a shocker if I'm gonna spend a, a, you know 50 bucks on a sandwich and, and uh, two beers I'm going downtown <laughs> Right, I'm like I'll pay the extra ten dollars in gas to go downtown, or, or, or at that point, if I'm paying fifty bucks for a meal just for myself, I'll spend a hundred bucks for a meal just for myself. But it's going to be steak, it's going to be a, a lobster wrap or something down at Ship's Tavern in the Brown Palace. Um, so great food, nothing wrong with food. The food, honestly, uh, was a nine. The food was a knockout. The service was super solid. It was an eight. Um, the atmosphere is the one thing where I'm like, man, he could make this just a little bit more hip um make it a little bit more exciting and i think that brings the whole score up but overall for a pretty great dinner place it gets an eight best of ridley scott we've talked about some of his films on previous episodes um and it was pretty exciting after watching Blade Runner and really looking at this lineage of great productions, um, great directing he has done. 
everything from where he started in 1977 with The Duelist all the way through his current work that's not out yet that he's working on. Um, and that's Napoleon. So tons of great stuff in the middle. Um, but nonetheless, we're talking about 45 years of directing history. That's pretty amazing. Uh, really, Scott was born in 1937. So he's uh, getting up there in years, been married three times. I actually found this both um, fascinating and intriguing. And that is the first time he was married, he was married for 11 years. The second time he was married, he was married for 10 years. Um, and most recently he got remarried to Giannina uh, Fascio, um, which is which who him, he has been married to since 2015. So I'm curious to see what happens in another three years. He'll probably just die <laughs> uh, tragically because I would love to see him continue doing these masterful pieces of work. So going on his trend, 11, 10, this one should last nine years, right? Maybe he's got two years. We're going to find out. We're getting close. We're going to, but nonetheless, um, I think to me, that's an interesting um, situation when we talk about economics, satiation points. Um, they say that, uh, and studies have shown that between two and two and a half years, most relationships will see their first big ordeal and then double that at five years that you would again, um, usually twice as big. And then at 10 years, boom, blow up time. Um, this is where things have changed and people are ready for the, uh, if it was a car, newer model. Do you think maybe uh, COVID might have like sped that process up with a lot of people? Oh, I have no idea, man. Like the newer generations, I am still fascinated by. I'm still working with and asking questions and sharing my own stories as well. Um, although they're not always as interested in hearing my stories as I am theirs, just because uh, their actions will continue to drive the world amongst us. All right. So what... Uh I guess do you want how do you want how do you want to break this out? I mean let's do it this way. I'm going to read you guys a quick list of his 20 plus films that he has done. Um really there's none of these that I don't think were at least a great movie if not outstanding. So 1977 The Duelist actually very much so historically based. Um then we get to 1979, one of my top 5 Alien Alien, oh, oh man, Alien's a great movie. Groundbreaking, cinema changing. Um, and we even talked about this before <laughs> on an earlier episode with the HP uh, HP Lovecraft. But that like, there's, there's influence there with Alien, and then also with uh, Geiger. Is that, or is that the artist's name? That drew the aliens? Aliens, yes. Um, 1982, so we're talking three years after that. Another one of my favorites, Blade Runner. Yep. Now, this is amazing because that's 40 years ago. And if you watch it today, man, it is definitely aged. It is not modern at all. And there's some movies that have uh, stayed more current with age, much better than Blade Runner did, but still Dynamite. Um, 1985, Legend, also in of my top five, with Tom Cruise. I don't remember that one that well. 
Man, he faces what ultimately appears to be a devil um, who's played by Tim Curry, who is the Lord of Darkness. Now, Tim Curry, another one of these actors that's just amazing. Um, we're going to get more into that as far as why my top five are my top five. Uh, 1987, Someone to Watch Over Me. 1989, another great one, Michael Douglas, Black Rain. Dude, that was a bad ass movie. Uh, Thelma and Louise in 1991. I hated it, but I loved it and I understood its significance. Uh, 1992, 1492, Conquest of Paradise. 1996, White Squall. 1997, G.I. Jane, another one of my tops. Um, and it's not because of Demi Moore. It's because of Viggo Mortensen and the entire storyline. Uh, 2000. Now, if anyone wasn't impressed and saw Gladiator in 2000 when it came out. Again, man, the star of this show is the bad guy. It's Joaquin Phoenix. He yep. is the guy who made that movie. Now, I'm not saying that the rest of the cast and the star weren't impressive, um, but the storyline was made so impactful, not because the hero, but because you hated the villain so damn much. Uh, 2001, Hannibal. Again, how can you not love this movie? Um, Black Hawk Down, also in 2001. Matchstick Man, 2003. Kingdom of Heaven in 2005. God it wills it. <laughs> right? It's like, again, all of these movies, whether you like them or not, if you are someone who, uh, probably someone who appreciates history, I think that's one of the things that absolutely is a Ridley Scott factor, um, history, but also just emotion. Uh, a Good Year, 2006, American Gangster, 2007, Body of Lies, 2008, Robin Hood, 2010, Prometheus, also in my tops, 2012, The Counselor, 2013, Exodus, Gods and Kings, 2014, 2015, the Martian. Now, if anyone tells me that didn't have an impact on someone like Elon Musk, I won't believe him because it had an impact on me. The Martian was a great movie. Absolutely. Uh, Alien Covenant 2017, All the Money in the World, also 2017, um, 2021, The Last Duel and House of Gucci, and he's current work, currently working on Napoleon, which I think is going to be an Apple TV. Like, I don't know if it's going oh. main movie production or if it's theaters and on Apple TV at the same time. Um, I couldn't um, quite figure that out for myself. I hope to God it goes to the big screen because as you and I have talked about and anyone who knows, great adventures, great stories like these, like Gladiator, like Legend, um, like Alien. You watch that on a big screen, doesn't matter if you have a giant tv at home a big screen where you're fully immersed has a different feel it definitely does definitely like top gun maverick i think that's one of those movies you had to see in the theater you know and i remember i, I had a conversation with someone they were saying that a lot of people said well top gun maverick was just such a big deal because uh people hadn't seen a great movie in a theater in a long time and it, it finally came out and it's like no, don't try to take away this movie's <laughs> thunder. I've seen it three times in theaters. You've seen it five times in theaters. I want to go back again. Um, that movie is just that impactful because of the storyline. And let's face it, man, Tom Cruise, good job. Uh, definitely a, a shout out again to you. You won. Like, yeah. you could die tomorrow, and I, I would hope that your family 
would uh, will always appreciate the life you lived. And one of the <laughs> things that's so funny, I saw a uh, an interview with him, and they're like, "How many licenses do you have?" He's like, "Well, I've got my regular pilot's license, my jet license, my regular automobile license, my uh, commercial license." He's like, "I've got a real estate license," and of course, that's just where he starts to get funny. But it's also real. It's um, someone who probably just was like, "Yeah, I like, might as well like learn something new because." Man, if you think about from a directing, um, writing, or even acting standpoint, I'll bet there's a lot you could learn from gaining, having to go through the steps of a real estate license, uh, maybe at a point when you were going to play and act like in the firm as a lawyer. Right. Um, There are so many different things. Um, So, uh, yeah, so I'm going on a, a weird tangent there. But really, Scott, tons of great films. Man, if you had to, and this is hard for me, honestly, you had to narrow it down to your top three what would they be oh top three not five well I, okay. you, you can give me your five if, if you've got them all but- right well i'll go we'll start with top three and, and this is no particular order i'm not saying this is one two and three um but one of my top three is going to have to be kingdom of heaven dude and 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 it's just not the theatrical cut i'm talking about the director's cut okay I have not seen that. Oh, the director's cup adds, uh, I think it adds like almost another hour to the movie or whatever, but it's so much better. And, uh, I love that movie. I think it's a great movie. And, you know, I think really Scott does a great job of making these epic type of movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, God, kingdom that's of heaven. King, kingdom of heaven. That's why I said like, God wills it. And once again, Renault, uh, whoever, I don't remember that the actor's name who plays Renault. But he is also another bad guy <laughs> that actually compliments or makes the story that much better for the for the good guy. How do you have a hero without a villain? This is one of the things I love about psychology and psychiatry, um, less medicine, please, but um, psychology in particular, is that there is this point, and you see it in religions in particular, uh, especially Buddhism, about uh, the good, the bad, the yin, the yang, and you cannot have peace, I think, until you've actually had war. And I, I will tell you, one of the best examples in my life that I don't think I will ever forget was hearing an interview with Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, if you ever want to be on this show for three minutes, 15 minutes, I don't know if you uh, would like a dram of scotch or not. I'll get you a water, ice cold, whatever temperature you want. I have um, an utmost admiration for a man who has seen both sides. And I think the deal with me why Mike Tyson is so impressive right now is I feel like he's at peace. And in this interview, and he is with some superstars, by the way, he they're asking him questions and he said the best three years of my life were my three years in prison and the everyone in in the audience you know the the three of which jay-z i believe was one of them are like what (laughs) are you talking about you had 30 million dollars before you went into prison why were those years the best years of your life and he said because it wasn't until then that i had peace and once you have peace and you realize everything else, like money doesn't matter. And they're, they were telling him, oh, yo, man, <laughs> like you have millions now, like you're rich again. What are you talking about? He's like money. If you if you've ever had money, you know, the money didn't make you happy. 
And it's this piece where I think Mike Tyson really did find peace. But this guy went to war. There was, uh, at least in my lifetime, uh, man, that's, and that's hard because Mayweather is an amazing boxer. But in my lifetime, there was no one who went to war like Mike Tyson did in the ring. Um, Fury would be the next closest. But I think Fury has a soul. Whereas, like, you questioned whether or not Mike Tyson had a soul going in the ring 30, 40 years ago. Who else bit another guy's ear off? That's, man, <laughs> it's just, it is real. But um, it's this thing where you're talking about the good and the bad, and the bad guys have to be perfect for these movies. And I think that's where your point um, that you were going after in uh, The Kingdom of Heaven is that the bad guy makes the good guy. Like, And it's so true. Um, those, Yeah, that's a great movie. So the next one after that, I'm going to say is Gladiator. All right. Another one where you have a good bad guy to match with a good good guy. And that's another big epic movie as well. Yeah, you can't get much bigger than that. Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> now the next one after that, it makes it's pretty hard because there's like a lot of them here that I do like. And uh, man. So number three three out of my top three and once again these are no no order whatsoever um i am probably and I, this is really tough for me um i think i might go with black hawk down mm. and all right I, I like with blade runner i love that movie um and it doesn't really, hold, like you said, it doesn't really hold up that much with time. But I think the story is great. And I love, like, the replicants and, and some of the other spinoffs that have come off of it in the second movie and everything like that, which kind of adds to the storyline. Um, and then Alien, that just created a, that, I mean, Alien, when it first came out, that was a great movie. And it created a nice series, which goes, you know, into Prometheus and uh, Alien Covenant, which those are both good movies as well. But to me, with Black Hawk Down, there's like some sort of like great rewatchability <laughs> to that movie. Like I could watch, I could, I could literally watch that movie almost every day. Really? Yeah, I really enjoy that movie a lot, and I think um, Ewan McGregor, oh. who uh, he, he's like the he's like the like the the office guy. And he, he's never been out, been out in combat and stuff like that in this, you know, in the movie and stuff. And and it's also based off of of off a true story and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just I just like that one a little bit more. Um, as far as like because I can watch that one all the time. Like Blade Runner, I can't watch that one every day. Uh, Alien, I can't watch that one every day. Um, I could probably watch Gladiator every day, and I could probably watch Kingdom of Heaven every day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh awesome. black, black hawk down i could definitely watch that one uh oh, quite a bit so man that's isn't it tough though yeah this, and, and then you got the martian too i i really love the martian oh, too i'm right there with you this is hard for me taking it down from five or six down to three this is actually a struggle um, and part of it is because there are so many great ties um these movies this uh directing is like 
how Charles Dickens wrote to me. He's telling a story that is so profound that it has both sides. And that's one of the things Dickens did well. And I think that's one of the things that really Scott does well is when he's directing, he's making sure you know there is a good. Uh, there is a bad and whether or not you know you think about the martian what was the good what was the bad ultimately he's fighting himself he's fighting um death he's fighting for the chance of survival there are little things on the planet that he's ultimately trying to survive and stay away from but ultimately in each one of these things there is this battle going on of good versus evil or faith versus non-faith and i think you see that also in legend uh, more than any is that there was true evil and true good so faith and so is legend one year three no oh, okay no, no no no. i'm sorry dude it's just so hard it, it literally is so hard that's what she said all right <laughs> <it> for you. <laughs> um in my top three though i'm not going black hawk down Okay. I'm going G.I. Jane is one of my three. Okay. And because I think... That's why we both got a military one. I'm sorry. I no, I, no I, think is, I think that's a point. And that's why I was like, not going Black Hat Down. That's my connection there is. I think it is military. And I think one of the things that's truth about military, when you look at military stories, and these amazing productions, this, this directing by Ridley Scott is, he is talking about a battle, whether it's Ewan McGregor or it's... Demi Moore, who actually isn't the one who makes this movie for me either. It's Viggo Mortensen. Um, but it's this good versus evil, and it's also this undying, unyielding drive, commitment, um, and desire, um, need. It is discipline that gets them to where they want to go. So for me, um, one of the three, and again, not in any particular order, is G.I.J. Gladiator. How can you not have Gladiator? Exactly. If you saw, as, as I think both of us did, Gladiator in a theater, that movie, especially the time, again, not because of the star of King Phoenix, that movie was life-changing. I still watch it and cry. And I, again, really, Scott, when I talk about Charles Dickens bringing the two sides, um, I'm not talking about in just in his books where he was talking about good versus evil. I'm talking about in each scene, you can literally picture. Right, um, right. And I'm going to use the example of Pip. At the beginning of the book, if you've never read it, read the first, read the first 20 pages, and you will read the story where Pip is running through a mist that's super thick. And pretty soon you're reading and you realize the mist is coming at him. And it's this new transition of, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? That means he's fighting a battle. He is not just running through a mist. He's coming and going through something that's coming at him. And that's real. That's, um, it, it is a different challenge. It is a faith you have to have to keep going through those situations i mean you literally have to have faith um so gladiator gi jane man the third one this is where it gets so hard i know the third one's the toughest um that's because we're knocking so many others out and yeah I'm actually going to go with Hannibal. Ooh, okay. Now, Ridley Scott 
did not do the first movie in that series. But he does the second with Hannibal. This is when Julianne Moore now plays the main female FBI agent. Anthony Hopkins reprises his role um, as Hannibal. And yeah, as Clarice. So Julianne Moore, Clarice, um, Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal. And again, there's this perfect battle. Uh, is that the one where he's like in Rome and stuff like that? Yeah, baby, where he eats. Oh, yeah. Ray okay. Liotta's brains out the top of his head. And Ray Liotta's <laughs> like, oh, what is this? Yeah. That was more of the psychiatry than psychology. It's a little bit of medicine keeping Ray Liotta <laughs> alive while his brains are being scooped out the top of that skull. <laughs> But, um, again, you have to have this, like, balance of what is true good, what is true evil. And then with all of Ridley Scott's films, I think an intellectual, um, an intelligent person who does question, okay, so what is right versus wrong, also can question in any of these movies who was right and who was wrong. So Black Hawk Down, you can speak to that in just a minute. But for me, G.I. Jane, you've got Viggo Mortensen and Demi Moore's characters talking about should females be in the military? Um, what is it to be here or there? And I remember at one point, Viggo Mortensen is sitting. He just got his ass kicked by Demi Moore. Um, he's sitting and one of his peers comes up to him and he's like, she's not the problem. We are. Absolutely true. Like, sex shouldn't matter in any industry. However, you can't then go set special rules and things like war because someone is different. Because guess what? You're going against war with Russia. The rules don't change no matter who you are, what you are, how old you are, how young you are, if you're male or you're female or anything. None of that matters. It is life or death. And they don't play these games, these say war games, just because you're a male or you're a female. Um, if we were against war with Russia, that doesn't matter. And I think this movie really describes and it really made me think, man, I see both sides and I hate that, but I understand. I can appreciate the theory between both sides, Demi Moore's sides, Viggo Mortensen's side. And it wasn't even Viggo Mortensen. It was his character following directions. Um, and ultimately at the end of the movie, having the utmost respect for her, um, man, it's just amazing. Um, any of these things, but the military is absolutely a prime example of where, man, life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Um, I don't think you really get like too much of a good guy, bad guy type of thing in um in Black Hawk Down as opposed to like maybe uh it's more about like maybe we shouldn't be the world's policemen and be in places that we shouldn't be in. And then, you know, what ends up happening is like, you know, one of the helicopters gets shot shot down and, and it's all about like trying, you know, go rescue those uh, helicopter pilots and the people that were in there and then it just causes a big huge more of a mess and stuff like that. And uh any case, um, you know, I just think it's near the end you see like Eric Banna's character, I think it's Eric Banna. Where he's like one of the, I'm not sure if it was a SEAL or Delta team. I think it was Delta team. And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, we're going to go right back out there after they make it to the stadium. And we have more people to go, you know, go get. Because they, like, they had like the no no man left behind type of mentality. And then the Ewan McGregor 
uh, uh, characters. I, I don't know if it's his character or actually whoever was the main character sees Eric Bana's characters getting ready to go right back out, and they're like, "All right, fine, I'll go right back out too." And you just see kind of like that, like they know they're in the shit and they know they have a job to do and regardless of whether or not we're supposed to be there or not. And I think this is also talked about in the very beginning of the movie where they are discussing about if they should be there or not be there. And I think that's kind of like a, a maybe an underlying question there, but it's, you know, I think it's a great movie regardless about like, you know, you have, you have members there that get stuck and then you have others that are coming back, you know, coming back to, to rescue them, get them out. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, like I said, it has great watchability for me. Well, and, and so for me, when you question, for me, I have to question these great movies by Ridley Scott. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? So now you have a gladiator. That's easy. Yeah, you can definitely pick out who's the good guy and <laughs> bad guy in that Can one. you, though? Because Joaquin Phoenix, Caesar, what was Caesar's ultimate intention? Well, I think he's the bad guy because he went against Caesar's wishes, which was to have uh, Russell Crowe's character, the general, take over Rome. Right. So nonetheless, though, you're talking about treason being conducted by Russell Crowe, the general, the gladiator. But he wasn't doing the treason. But Caesar was trying to bring his country to greatness. Now, I agree with you. Like, at the end of the day, I think it's really easy to be like, oh, yeah, man, like Russell Crowe, you're the good guy, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, you're the bad guy left and right. But at the end of the day, there's also this piece which is, okay, man, this movie I don't struggle so much with as most. But it's like, man, you were also not following orders. Like... This happened, certain things happened because you didn't follow the rules. Whether or not you agree with those rules, now you live with the consequences. And I think for me, for Gladiator, that's the another piece. It's a piece of character where Russell Crowe ultimately decides in this life or the next, I will see my family again. Well, I think that's for Russell Crowe. And I, I think you have to kind of look at it from Caesar's perspective. Perspective is like he wants someone who's going to continue to make Rome prosper and grow. And he knows his son would not do that. And he knows that his son probably would destroy Rome. And ultimately does. <laughs> and ultimately does, yeah. <laughs> A little bit of history. Again, really Scott <laughs> involves history in most of his movies. And when you look at uh, Russell Crowe's character, the Spaniard, all he wants to do is, like, I served Rome. I did my duty. I just want to be with my family. I could care less about anything else. And if he would have done it, if he would have just accepted it when it was all said and done and not have, like, go around, you know, hours got spread out and, like, the son found out, killed his dad type of thing, if he would have just accepted it right then and there, probably a lot of that stuff would not have occurred the way it went down. But... But I think he held, I think every character held true to their traits. No, I think that, again, I think that's one of these things. This is why the Ridley Scott movie theory, this thought process is so fascinating to me. It's because I think Ridley Scott does think about 
characters and personalities. Now, whether you want to break that down to personality types or talk about it in a different way, I think he is absolutely involving that too. One of the other things I absolutely love about these movies, and I don't know that a lot of people will agree with me right now because a lot of people want to be like, yeah, I have a plan. I'm going to execute my plan and I'm going to win is that every, not everyone, but almost every person, all of the bad guys, all of the people who lose in these movies had a plan that somebody who didn't have to have a plan, but had more sheer will, who had more faith, who had more drive to do what was right, undid. Yeah, true. And, you know, you could tell that um, with Russell Crowe's character, he had his, uh, his code that we talked about a while back ago. And he followed his code. Like, he knew he could have all of his troops right there and, and march in. And he knew he could probably take over just like with a, with a military coup. But he tried to do it the right way. I fully agree with that. And that is, again, part of this piece of, to me, when I think of good, good always has a code. And I think you can almost, I think if you really watch, go back and rewatch Gladiator, you could probably almost relate it to what's happening in today's America. Now you're getting somewhere. <laughs> Do people not realize Biden is Caesar? Now, this is another topic for another day because we don't want to. <laughs> I know we're getting up there on time. But seriously, you guys just take a couple minutes. Think about this. Uh, we're talking about Gladiator. You guys all see it just as easily as we do, right? Because there are times when I'm like, well, Caesar was trying to do what he thought was right. He was ultimately the leader. Yeah, nothing this guy, you don't killing your dad isn't right. No matter what. Exactly. No matter what. <laughs> There is no, I killed my mom today. Feel pretty good about it. I think I'm winning. <laughs> nope, you lost, bro. You deserve to die after that. <laughs> that That's just that. Um, so as we're going through this list, uh, we've talked about G.I. Jane for me, Gladiator for me, my third one, Hannibal. And I think this is, again, this tryst, this romantic play. And I think there is something sexy about uh, the, the trysts that happen in all of these movies, the good and the bad, whether it's Caesar's sister and the Spaniard. So Russell Crowe, and man, was that, uh, what was her name in... The gladiator, the actress. Uh, she's gorgeous. Um, I don't know the actress's name. She ultimately goes on to do many great movies, but um, there's this tryst there, and you see it uh, in G.I. Jane, where even though they're literally beating the shit out of each other, you got Demi Moore and Viggo Mortensen um, sitting there, and there is still this sexual tension. Now, for those of you who don't understand sexual tension, do a little studying. It's actually very interesting because there can be zero sex ever and still a ton of sexual <laughs> tension. A lot is real. Um, and then for me in Hannibal, it's no different. There is this piece where I think Clarice, Julianne Moore's character, is absolutely respected by Hannibal and vice versa. Now, the respects are different. Hannibal looks at Julianne Moore and I think truly sees her as someone that is dangerous. And that he appreciates that. And when I say dangerous, it's not that just that she can kill him, but she can change the world. And when she looks at Hannibal, she also sees someone who's dangerous, but not in the same level of respect. Just someone she needs to be worried about that he doesn't kill her before she captures him. So, and I think you see some of the same similarities in Kingdom of, of Heaven. <laughs> Dude. Because you have uh, Balin, who uh, is the main character and uh, Eva Green is the uh, 
is the queen, uh, or like Sinoria. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or the the soon to be queen after the prince dies, and uh, she's currently married to Renault, who is the crazy Templar who wants to go and like kill off all the Arabs and uh, create war and stuff like that. And the prince and Eva Green both approach Balin saying, "Will you like? Will you marry my sister?" become the king and you know continue to make things great but you know Balin has his his code his code of ethics and uh he doesn't marry he had to live with the consequences uh the war breaks out because renault goes and attacks the Arabs. palms those were his and then from there uh he ends up defending the uh you know the uh, jerusalem from uh from the arabs uh, and there's some there's some other really great like little minor stories that are in there too because like there's like you know the the whole reason why he went out to Jerusalem is to have his sins uh, forgiven for uh, for for his wife um, she uh, she died but anyways there's I mean like you see a lot more in the director's cut but it's just it's amazing like all the way through like I think that movie comparable to, is comparable to the Gladiator. Uh, you know, which has a lot of the same kind of qualities that you're talking about. Yeah, ultimately also laced with history. Now, when right. I say laced with, I'm not saying don't go thinking you're going to pass a history exam watching any of these movies, but what no. you will do is get a, a very base example of some pieces of history with a director who makes it, and I'm going to say it's sexy. It's uh, like last week's scotch, you know, that perfect color. It's just <laughs> sexy. Um, and, and with that, um, this is something I really appreciate. Really, Scott, if you ever want to be on the show, please let us know. I, at some point, I'll try reaching out to you because I'd love to pick your brain possibly after Napoleon comes out. I'd love to see what you're going to do with that because, again, now, most people look at Napoleon, they hear this name, and man, this guy was a tyrant. He was vicious. He was terrible. Or was he? And it's going to be interesting to see how this piece comes out, because at some point, was he good? Was he bad? I'm excited. I, I want to see it. Oh, uh, really, Scott, you did a great job. Really appreciate all you have done, not just because of these movies, but what you've done to change the world of movies we now see. Exactly. And these are movies that influenced you as a kid, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I also remember in high school when we did the, I think we're in that, we're, I believe we're in the same uh, English course yeah. where, where we did the film analysis. Yeah. And we had to do Alien. That was just, that was like mind blowing. It really is, especially as you, like, if you watch Alien today. And I haven't watched it. I'm not watching Alien every other day or once a week or once a month, but I watch it probably once a year. And when I watch Alien, I'm like, man, damn, this movie is outdated. But you got to remember, this is 1979. This movie came out well, 43 years ago. Yeah, if you're just watching it in that <laughs> sense. But like, I think some of the uh, analysis that we did in that class, I, I, I think that's kind of timeless. Oh, for sure. It'll never go away. And also, let's just face it. We're sitting there talking in the class, and people are like, aliens aren't real. And here we are in 2022 after presidents of multiple nations have come out and be like, yeah, we're using alien technology. Take that as you will. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else you, you want to say about really, Scott? No, I just uh, 
really appreciate what this gentleman has done for our ultimately this is this is a treasure it's a cinematic treasure it's also a piece of uh undying art i would agree with that it is definitely art um so what is our uh next week's next week's scotch noah has selected for us the 12 year lomond that may not be pronounced right we'll do some research before the next episode (laughs) 12 year single malt scotch non chill filtered again the more i'm learning about this 72 scotches in still (laughs) learning that's great um it's not that i didn't know that because i always tasted that but i didn't understand the science as much as i probably should have uh so this will be a fantastic treasure next week all right and next week's topic is going to be bucket list Ooh, the bucket list the bucket list <laughs> yeah so i guess maybe uh you know maybe like i uh, have somewhere between like five to ten items on your bucket list and then explain like why you want to do those things dude right down to the science of what we talked about with the armor by the way armor legacy i will have i will have 10 things on my bucket list at least um 46 percent alcohol non-chill filtered <laughs> excited right here right now uh hard more for legacy. the lumand <laughs> all right all right all well right. uh one thing i want to remind all of our viewers is please drink responsibly give us feedback what do you like what do you not like what do you want to see really that's kind of important to me is like what do you really want to see make this fun for you and with that i'm going to pass it on to no all right so thank you once again for all of our listeners on the uh audible type channels there um and then also thanks thank you to all the viewers on youtube and and rumble if you do want to become a uh, patron member, uh, if you do look in the description down below, it would be the very first link for the Podbean patron. And you can be a member as low as $1. And we do use that money to um, help out with our podcasts and also rent movie theaters or do other events. All right. So thank you very much once again, everyone, for watching and watching us and listening to us. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. Scotchman. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as one dollar a month. Thank you, and hopefully, you have a wonderful evening.